If I could have my assistant, Percy. Give it up for Percy. Just a public, public service announcement. Nothing that is posted on Percy is true of Percy. The end. You know, with Rowdy, as many of us, if people could see the inside of our life and they could see what we look like and what has shaped how we live today, uh, they might see something like the word spoken of our life that you are a failure. And maybe someone you loved and respected said, you are a failure. You didn't just fail that test, but it's who you are is a failure. And perhaps when you tried your best and you gave your all and you still were told, I'm disappointed in you, you're a disappointment. I'm not disappointed in just a situation, but in the essence of who you are. And you carry a mark of I'm a disappointment to everybody. This definitely is not true of Percy, uh, but perhaps you've been called fat. <laughs> I've seen Percy eat, though, and he eats a lot of food, so it's just the Lord's grace on his life. <laughs> but perhaps you live life and you can hardly look in the mirror because of this word that has not just been a word spoken, but it's defined you. And you are, you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. And so you never put yourself in to get a promotion at work because you're not smart enough. You never were, you never will be, and you definitely aren't now. And perhaps you're carrying around the stigma of you are unlovable. That's why you're on your third marriage. That's why everybody in your life has walked away because at the core of who you are is unlovable. You're a reject. You're ugly. Sorry, Percy. You're illegitimate. You're the product of a one-night stand, and your life doesn't matter. You're worthless. And you definitely are not worth staying for. That's why your dad left, your mom left, and everybody you love will leave. We could go on. Without raising your hands, I think for some of us, these are not just sticky notes and something that we can kind of giggle about. These are too, too real. They're part of our story. They're part of if, if someone could get a, a microscope on the inside of who we are and zoom in, they would see that these have defined the way we lead our family, the way we operate in our marriage, and they shape the way we speak over our kids, and they shape the way we speak to our spouse, and they shape the way we are in life because we have allowed words to stick to us and define us. Thank you, Percy, very much. Let's give it up for Percy. You know, the, the, the good news today, like the spoiler alert, is that I believe today God is here to heal, to restore, and to remove some of the labels that have marked our life, that perhaps for decades you've carried the weight of words spoken or weight of words you have spoken to others that have stuck, and that God wants to heal and restore. But we have to understand this, is that time does not heal all wounds. 
And some of you maybe came to this place and we come in life and we feel like a failure because we say, I should be over that statement. I should be over what I faced as a four-year-old, as a 15-year-old. I should be over what happened 10 years ago. But it seems like it's a record, a bad song that just keeps playing in our mind and just keeps going because time doesn't heal all wounds. Only Jesus can transform and set free and heal the core of who we are. Pastor Joel Osteen, he said this, I'll throw the quote up, it says, be careful what you say. You can say something hurtful in 10 seconds, but 10 years later, the wounds are still there. Couldn't that, how many of you say, man, I've seen the truth of that in words I've spoken? You ever had that moment where you speak a word and as it comes out of your mouth, you know, like, I just let, like, the devil speak out of my mouth. Just grabbed hold of that person. And we've also seen that fruit in our life. You know, I remember, um, I remember some moments in my life, words that just hit me and marked me, and, and, and I could share many stories. But I remember I was about 18, 19 years old that started um, preaching in our youth ministry, and, um, and it was right about then that podcasts became a thing, so people could now listen to everything you said, and I gotta love the beautiful uh, internet, right? Everything you say can be held, will be held against you. And, um, and so I remember podcasts had just kind of become a thing, and so I'm about 18 years old, and I'm, I'm every week uh, the messages are being posted online for everybody to see, and so all of a sudden there was two people, and they chose fictitious names, and they went, and you could actually leave comments. Like you could say, like, that was the best message ever. Uh, nobody put that. But, um, <laughs> but you could also put uh, you just whatever you wanted. And so I get notified, like, Natalie, you have hate comments on the Circle Youth podcast. And I remember going and reading, like, don't, you know, when you have haters going to hate, sometimes just, like, don't read the text, you know? Sometimes you're like, you know what? It's not worth reading. And I remember reading those words, and so they were criticizing and tearing, tearing me down and tearing down the youth ministry, and, and they said this, the, these words at the very end. They just threw in a little jab. They were like, and she always says just joking when she preaches, and I remember reading that and being shook. Like, I don't even know who wrote these. They used fictitious names, but it shook me at the core. These words had power. And um, I remember preaching about a week later. I was up in the youth room, and I start preaching, and I, and I happened to say, just joking. And as I uttered those words, just joking, I was paralyzed by the criticism. And I stood there just being bombarded with, I'm a failure. I can't do this. There's... I am what my critics say, and I am, and I was paralyzed by the power of words typed by someone I didn't even know. I remember being about 11 years old and aspiring to let God use my life, and 11 years old, just someone, well-meaning person saying, you're too young. And for years and years and years, that lie played in my, my head. And I remember a few years ago going through a situation and, and, um, and it was one of those moments where I felt the dagger stabbing my heart. Somebody that I, I loved uh, just spewing hate and these words against me. And I was so shook by these words sticking that I was actually out of town as they spoke them to me 
and I was ready to hop on a plane the next morning and go home. I like, I was done. And I remember sharing these words with three trusted ladies in my life, Pastor Jamie Pineda, Pastor Danny Martinez, and Pastor Kim, my mom. I remember I was driving in the car, and Pastor Jamie was driving, and I spoke. These are the words, and I was done. I was crushed. And Pastor Jamie starts going, those are the lies of the devil. And she's like calling down the fire of heaven, like in the car as we're driving. And she's like, do not receive those. And you know, and, there, and now I've got like Danny in the backseat. I think she's praying for me. And like we're having like revival, you know, like in, in the backseat of the car. As they begin to just speak life against those words that were spoken of the enemy. Here's the reality. Time does not heal all wounds. Only Jesus can. In the Bible, in the Bible, names had, had great significance. Uh, you would often, you know, nowadays people make up names. You're like, well, why did you name your child that? They're like, ah, it sounded cool. And you're like, that's cool. Um, you know, and there's a lot of pressure. We just went through this naming Wesley Davis, and people are like, what does, why? You know, you give them the whole reason why. Trust me, there's a reason. And, uh, and names had great power in the Bible. They oftentimes, uh, they, they carried a significance of what that life was to be marked by. They carried the significance uh, of what the character of the person would be like. And so names had such significance that oftentimes when God would change, seek to change the character of a person, he would give them a new name to match their new character. And so we see that in the life. He says, you're not going to be Abram. You're going to be Abraham, and, right? And, and, and you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to just be Saul any longer, but you are Paul. You're a new person. And we see this changing of names. You're not going to be Jacob, the heel catcher, but you're going to be Israel. And you're going to have a new name. And, and so names had significance. And there's this portion of the Bible as we read through it. It's in First Chronicles, the first about 11 chapters. They're just tons of people's names. Now let's be honest, all of you uh, that, that read your Bible, um, how many of you skim read like really fast those names? You're like, nobody know why you name it all those people, Lord. <laughs> why do we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget their name in like three seconds. I can't even pronounce it. But there's this moment. In the middle of 1 Chronicles chapter 4, that we have this interesting situation. God, God, God highlights and hones in on a guy named Jabez. And Jabez, it says in 1 Chronicles 4.9, it says, There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. And his mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. All the mothers said amen. There was not a lot enough Amen. And he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. There's this guy, this guy Jabez, the meaning of his name was to grieve and he will cause pain. So here's what you have to imagine is every time Jabez's mom who intentionally named him, called his name. She wasn't just saying a name. She was calling out, hey, Jabez, hey, yo, you will cause pain. Come here, come here, you will cause pain. I, I, need, to, I need to spank you. <laughs> hey, 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 you, you who grieve, you who cause pain, why did you do that? Imagine every time you heard your name, 
you didn't hear just a, a name. You actually heard the, the character of what your name represented, that he was constantly told, this is who you are. This is what defines you. These words are who you are. You are Jabez, the one who causes pain. And here's what Jabez did. He said, I will not be allowed the words the voice of the enemy to define me. I'm not going to be one who causes pain. But he cried out to God and said, I want, I, want, I want my life to be defined differently. He said, oh, Lord, that you would make me a blessing. Not, not what my name says I am. My name says I am one who causes pain. But God, I'm asking that my life would be marked as one who brings blessing, not pain. God, I'm asking that you would cause the words that were once spoken about me to no longer be what define me. And it says... And God granted him his request. You see, we have an opportunity to say, Lord, I, I will no longer be defined by those negative words that have stuck to me. But I'm crying out that I'm no longer the failure, but I am a success because of your grace in my life. God, I'm no longer the one who abandons when life gets hard. I'm not an abandoner, but I'm one that sticks because you are the one who never leaves me nor forsakes me. And Jabez says, I, my name might say I'm one who causes pain, but I'm not defined by those words. I am defined by the God who created me. I want to be a, one who brings blessing. You guys okay? You doing okay? You know, the thing is, is that hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. Hurt people hurt people. Have you ever found that moment where you're speaking to someone and you hear the words come out of your mouth that sound exactly like the person you have struggled to forgive? You hear literally hurt spewing out of your mouth. Perhaps it was the, the voice of, of a parent that would just speak negatively over your life and you hear yourself speaking to your kids the same way. You hear the words of a teacher that, that perhaps could have called more out of you and instead they, they spoke negatively in, negatively in your life and now everybody you get around you criticize instead of build up. Because hurt left unhealed will cause us to keep repeating that same cycle of hurt. But healed people heal. And in John chapter 4 we meet a lady and Jesus comes on the scene to this woman, and, and this woman, she, she is a hurting, broken lady. This woman it has had five husbands, and, and Jesus says, hey, yo, uh, not only have you had five husbands, but now the, the guy you're with, you didn't even bother getting married to. Like this lady, that people knew who she was on the streets. They knew her story. They had, come on, they, there was gossip about this lady. They, she, she, she had a reputation. Are you guys with me? But in a moment with Jesus, uh, and I wonder what she wore on her, her, her life. I wonder the, the marks of words spoken over her. Rejected, unlovable. But Jesus comes in and he restores her and he heals her. And it says immediately, she runs into her village and she begins, begins to speak because she who once was hurt, she who once was broken, was now healed and going and healing the community around her. And it says in John chapter 4 that many believed, if they throw that verse up, that he, they, the many believed in that village because the woman had said, 
Because she spoke a different word, her words now were words that pointed them to Jesus because she was a healed person who healed others. And one of the marks in our life of healing is that we no longer wallow in our hurt, but we begin to restore people who are broken, hurting, and lost. The, the, the power of the gospel does not leave us as victims, but it begins to cause there to be victory in our life to pull people who are victims and broken and hurting into a new place. That's what God has called us to do, church. Amen? You guys, you guys are right. Healed people heal. We see our example in Jesus. He was called illegitimate. Who's your dad? He was mocked spit upon. He was, he was betrayed, lied about. And Jesus on the cross in his perfection said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's what God has called us to do, to not live and say, I hate that person or I hate that situation, but to say, God, forgive them. I'm not going to let those words define me any longer, but I am who God says I am. So why does this matter? There's, there's a thing in, in public communication that there's a question that as a communicator you're supposed to ask as you prepare on a subject or topic. And the question is, will this pass the who cares test? Right? You ever like gone into a situation and you heard someone talk, hopefully it's not right now, and you're like, who cares? I don't care what they're talking about. <laughs> always yeah right you know like you're right it's it's like that person that's like telling you how healthy that you are and we know what you're really thinking as they're like and my hummus and my this you're like who cares <laughs> right but you smile you're like I'm so jealous of your hummus eating <laughs> so there's this, there's this question like as I prepare like will people care like is this actually hitting into an area that that someone wants to listen and learn and grow in I think we've got to ask the question when it comes to the words spoken in our life and, and, and sticky words like, does it pass the who cares test to God? Does he care? And in these last moments, few minutes, I would like to say that I think, I don't just think, I believe that it is the heart of God who cares very deeply that you would no longer be defined by the sticky words on your life but you'd be transformed and become a story of the grace of God. There was a woman in Mark chapter 5. And in Mark chapter 5, this woman, uh, we, we come into the account in the story of a lady who for 12 years had an issue of blood. For 12 years, she, she was, was helpless, hopeless, rejected, uh, hurting, had spent all her money. She was an outcast. And nothing, there was no hope that this situation would ever change. And we're going to read this story. Right now, in Mark chapter 5, are you guys there? It says, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. And she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29, immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. That's not where the story ends. It said, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, 
So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell, at, fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You got to understand that in the Bible, it actually is noted in, in multiple places that crowds of people would come around Jesus, and if they simply would touch him, they would be healed. But in those other accounts, two specific accounts, it never says that Jesus stopped to see who touched him and he healed. They just were healed. Their faith was in him. They touched him. He was, he, they were healed. He moved on. But this woman, pressing through the crowds of people, she presses through, touches Jesus. He feels the, 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 the power of God go through him and, and transform this person. But he stops. Something, something caused Jesus to say, I'm not just, I, 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 there's more work to be done. I don't want to just heal this woman's physical needs, but I want to heal her on the inside. I want to transform her on the inside. And she stopped. And some of you need to be reminded this morning that we serve a God, that he's not too busy for you. Uh, he, he's not just uh, disinterested in your life. He's not just uh, some God who created you and leaves you alone but he is invested in your every day, your every moment, and he's way more interested in not just getting you to heaven, but getting heaven inside of you, transforming who you are and having you walk out the life he's called you to live. And so this woman, she thinks I'm gonna touch Jesus, get healed, and leave, but Jesus was way more interested in transforming her, and so he says, no, 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 no. where is he? And the disciples are like, Jesus, this happens all the time. Like, we got to go heal this little girl on the way to heal, and then hopefully Chick-fil-A is in our future. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, no, 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 there's, 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 I got to talk to this person. And something of great power. See, this woman, she was unclean. She had no money because she had spent it all, spent it all, not spit it, spit it. I spit money for fun, you know, like, <laughs> she spent her money and was all the worse. She was rejected. She had stigmas because nobody could be around her. She is perpetually unclean, perpetually unlovable. And Jesus, when he sees her as she trembles, he doesn't just say, oh, okay, cool, that's who I healed. He says, daughter. Hey, everybody that doesn't want to identify with her, she's my daughter. She's mine. As of this point in Mark 5, Jesus hasn't even called Father God Father. The only familiar term he's used was about a paralytic in Mark chapter 2 that he called son. And he says, you, the unlovable, the untouchable, the reject, the unclean woman, you're my daughter. Because Jesus was interested in healing her physical body, but he was also interested in healing the core of who she was, the stigma she wore, the broken woman on the inside who felt unlovable, untouchable, unredeemable. 
And when he spoke to her, your faith has made you well. It's the, or in other versions, you are healed. It, it literally is the word sozo, which means a physical healing, but also the healing unto salvation, salvation. Because God is concerned with meeting your physical needs, but even more so, he's concerned with saving your soul. He wants to sozo you, heal you in every part of who you are. And he says, daughter. And there's significance because, see, God doesn't just want to take the sticky words off of your life, but he wants to turn the sticky into your story. And this woman, it's interesting, commenters say that there was significance that when Jesus stopped and spoke to her, he was not only healing her physical body, but he was restoring her to community. Because as long as she just was healed physically, everybody who saw her saw, isn't that the lady that 12 years, I wonder if she's still unclean. She was, would still be marked by those words. But when Jesus spoke, daughter, he's saying she's part of community. She's no longer, those words stuck to her. Those are just her testimony. Those are just the story of the grace of God. No longer are you addict. You are set free. And addiction has to bow at the name of Jesus Christ. No longer are you defined as the, the husband who leaves, but a father transformed and a husband transformed by the grace of God. And the, your marriage is a story of the goodness of Jesus. He doesn't want to just take the sticky off. He wants to change your story. As we the band comes and we get ready to end. Proverbs 16:24 says these words. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. You see, I believe God wants to make our words sticky like honey. Many of us have Experience the sticky words of death and destruction and despair. And honestly, I'm the first to say that I've been a conduit at times for sticky words that hurt. But God says, if we can put that verse back, the word of God says, may our words, kind words are like honey. And every person that has a child and you've ever poured honey you can't get it unstuck. Honey goes with you wherever. You know, you eat it and you're trying to be all professional and you got it on the corner of your mouth. You're like, oh, sorry, there's a little honey stuck there. You see, church, when we've allowed the transforming power of God in our life, he begins to give us the ability to be those who speak words that are like honey. They're sweet and they're healthy for the body. They're words that build up your marriage. They build up your family. They build up your community. They build up your connect group. Come on, God has called us to go into the city of Medford and the Rogue Valley, and may our words just be dripping honey everywhere we go. We're just like, we got honey for you and honey for you. Like, let our words be words that build up and speak life, and they're sweet. Then when we walk away from a situation, they say, I don't know what's different about them, but when they talk, there's a sweet and there's a strength that comes that when you go into dark places you just speak words like honey people can't get unstuck I'm stuck to the kindness and goodness of God 
Their words, some of you over your kids, you don't need to call them devils. Pray that the devil would get out. You need to speak words like honey that call out the God destiny in their life. That you begin to say, oh man, you, you can't get unstuck from the word of God. You can't get unstuck from the words of life. You try to get me to speak words of death. No, I'm going to speak words of life. It's stuck like honey. That's what God has called us to do, is to have some honey. And everywhere we go, we just pour honey into the lives of the people we encounter. Because that's what the God of the universe and our God Jesus does is when he comes into your life he calls you son he calls you daughter if you would bow your head and close close your eyes there are people in this place that you came you came looking for life the Bible says in the book of Psalms it says taste and see that the Lord is good maybe you came to this place and you say I've tried a lot of things I've chased a lot of pleasures in this life and everything left me dry, left me empty, left me broken. But I'm here to tell you that there is a God in heaven who loves you, who created you, and who made a way for a relationship with you. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't just talk a big talk and promise life, but he gave his life so that you and I could have relationship with him. The Bible says that, that Jesus, he came, he lived a perfect life, yet willingly laid it on the cross to pay for our sins, the debt we could never pay. And that that same Jesus, he, he rose again on the third day, that, that he conquered sin and death, that our God is alive. And if you came to this place looking for life, you say, man, I, I want Jesus, I, I, I want to given my everything. I, I believe in him and that he alone can save me. If you came to this place looking for a relationship with Jesus, I want you just to lift your hand right now and just say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. See that hand. Right now, if you're here, I see that hand. See that hand. Every person here right now, you're here, you say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, all over the room, people are making a decision, saying, Jesus, I surrender. I need you. I put my faith in you. If you will be my God, I will be your child. Come on, today, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who comes home to God. And so church, we're going to pray together. Every one of you that lifted your hand and all of us together as a church, we're just going to pray this prayer together. Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I put my faith in you that you alone can save me. Wash away my sins. Give me a brand new life. I put my trust in you. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. If you will be my God, I will be your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, can we just celebrate this morning? As so many people just said yes to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In just a moment, Drew's going to share. If you were one of those that, that prayed that prayer for the first time or made a recommitment to Jesus or you raised your hand, he's going to talk to you about how you can take that next step in following Jesus. We want to help you in this journey.
And I would just encourage you a really awesome way to take that next step is following this service, is joining Growth Track, as you just discover how to, to get connected to community and connected to grow in your faith. Amen. For the rest of us here, if you're here and you just say, you know what? I want my words to be sweet like honey. I want to be sticky. That the words I speak, as they stick to people, they would bring life, they would bring health, and they would bring healing. And also, if you're here in this place and you say, man, you know, there's some places that I need God to heal because I want to be somebody who heals others and speaks those words of life. If that's you this morning, either one of those, would you just stand to your feet and we're just going to pray together. Every one of you say, man, I want to be one who speaks words like honey and I want to be one who receives the healing of God to unstick those sticky places that are not of him. Come on, just lift your hand, church, as we pray. Lord, I thank you for every person here that says, God, I want my words to be sticky like honey. I want words that build up, that bring life, that bring encouragement, that bring strength. God, I pray that we would be conduits for your love to flow through. We would be vessels that your life can flow through, that it would change our families, it would change our marriages, it would change our connect groups, it would change this community. God, let this community just be saturated in your love as we go forth and are your hands and feet all throughout this city, in our jobs, in our schools, in our families, and everywhere we go. And right now, Holy Spirit, I pray for every person that's been carrying the wounds of words spoken. In the name of Jesus, we pray healing in every heart right now. God, we pray right now that even as that woman in a moment was transformed, she received transforming healing in her body and her soul. I pray, God, right now you would heal every heart healing in the name of Jesus, restoration in the name of Jesus. Come on, can we just worship the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.